It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt, Max, and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley. Filling in just for today, Guy is fine. He'll be back on Monday. This is the Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective. Guy blends major newsmaker guests, including a steady stream of Fox News All-Stars, which we will demonstrate in just a little bit on today's program, along with Guy's passionate and informed monologue. Simply put, The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show. And again, Guy is doing very well, and he'll be back on Monday. So many things are going on that you could you could start today's opening segment with a variety of different topics, and they're all very important. I feel, and the team felt, Team Christine, that this whole situation with Congresswoman Cori Bush deserved a, a special, special recognition award today on The Guy Benson Show. So we're opening with it. I thought about what is this when someone basically, and the great Joe Concha said it very well on the Fox News channel, rules for thee and not for me. It's self-indulgent, self-absorbed, narcissistic, and you could keep going on and on and on. It's, it's arrogant, it's, it's obnoxious, it's sanctimonious. I mean, you could just keep going and going and going with descriptions of a congresswoman from the 1st Congressional District in Missouri, whereby she enthusiastically is for defunding your police, but at the same time, she hires her own special police Now, there's something very rich about that. There's something very, very wrong about that. If she feels unsafe, we know that in major cities all over the country, you remember, and it's it's still pretty bad. You just don't hear much about it anymore. And a lot of that was to try to unseat President Trump. So they had to make America on fire and cover it 24-7. There's still incredibly bad things that are going on. You just don't see the attention because the attention is on sticking up for everything that Joe Biden does. The Democrat media runs to his defense, no matter what it is. And of course, no coverage on the border. And we'll be covering it today on The Guy Benson Show in detail a little bit later in the program. But think about this. The congresswoman comes out with an outrageous defense for why she gets paid security, but your paid security should be taken away. Who knows what would be put in its place, sending psychologists to violent police calls because you want to defund the police. That's a very, very important part of American societal just fabric is the fact that we're a nation of laws and that without the proper supervision, if you will, in both the, um, whether it's paramilitary or in, in public safety in general, 
you have to have people that if there is a problem in terms of peace in a, in a society, that there are laws, there are rules. And most people don't flaunt that and abide by it. And it's part of keeping a society civil. We saw what happened when we had Chaz and Chop and all these different things. And, and of course, in every single one of the experiments, they end disastrously. In some of the defund the police movements, which actually passed, they, they, they were having dramatic increases in homicides and violent crime, in other disorderly conduct, theft, mayhem, property destruction, people walking down the street and just having knockout games played on their heads and faces. I mean, it was completely, it was deadwood. It was completely lawless. So everywhere that that has been employed, very quickly thereafter, they're racing. And you watch the new mayor of New York, whichever the candidates it will be, the Democratic nominee or the Republican nominee, that billion dollars that de Blasio took out of the police department funding, that money will be back. The special units that they took away that were some of the most trained and highly competent in the world, not in the country, in the world, they'll be back. And then people will be able to say again that they feel safe in the greatest city in the world. So everywhere that this has been tried, it has failed because it has to fail. But she knows the importance of public safety protection because she orders up her own extremely expensive personal protection security detail, $70,000 of which nearly $70,000 is documented. And she's not the only one. You might remember when Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Waters, was trashing the police as well, and she went on a visit to a community where she was going to advocate defunding the police, and she quietly called ahead for her own police protection detail. They are complete and utter hypocrites. But better than I could set the stage. I haven't spoken a word yet that's not true, that's not even provable. It's almost like a math equation. Sometimes you cite opinions. I mean, there's really no denying everywhere that they've done defund the police, it has failed. And they've had to race to hire more police officers and fill all the things that they cut. But better than me saying it on The Guy Benson Show, let's hear from the congresswoman herself. Joshua, cut 15. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives. You couldn't do a better job disqualifying this whole position if you spent days of the Guy Benson show speaking about why this is so ill-advised. In 26 seconds, in my estimation, she disqualifies herself from even being a member of Congress. Think about this. What, 270 million Americans, and there's probably another 10 or 20 million here that aren't on the books. 270 million is pretty much the latest rough estimate of how many Americans we have. 435 can be in the People's House at one time and 100 senators. 
535 people out of 270 million. And we've got somebody talking 10, 10, 10 and 200,000 and suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. And this utter madness. Why would defund the police have to happen? This is as unserious a platform or a philosophy of governance as almost anything that you could pick out. Two things people want. If you're going to be New York, if you're going to be a great city, like my birth city, my hometown, Atlantic City, you have to, number one, be safe. Number two, be clean. When Rudy Giuliani became the mayor of New York, the trash was piled up, measured in feet. You could say stories, 10 feet being one story, like two stories high, rats as big as cats, squeegee guys smearing your windshield, and of course, violent crime completely, utterly out of control. It's very similar to that right now. The next mayor of New York City, and let's face it, the governor, we'll talk about him later, he's done. He hasn't figured it out yet. Governor Cuomo, you're done. Fill in the date. That's all we don't know. Do you resign or do you get impeached? I don't know which way it's going to go. I, I sense that he's going to stay as long as he can. So this could go on for a little while, but he's going to be gone. The next mayor of New York. And we're pretty fortunate because if the Democrat wins, he's a retired police captain. He'll restore law and order. And think about this. In one of the most woke cities in America, one of the woke, most woke cities in the world, the Democratic nominee in a crowded, contested primary won by being pro-police, not defund the police, not woke, not cutting services in public safety, and he won. This is de facto resignation. That this philosophy, which really was for a campaign that is now over, more than it was a serious philosophy of governance, because it's no way that you can govern with this kind of thing where you, you, you basically say that you don't need the police. You, you absolutely need the police. They, they are vital to a civil society and a civil society remaining orderly. I really have great contempt for this White House and their duplicity, their unwillingness. They don't even admit there's a problem at the border. Later in the program, we'll be talking about the more than 800 migrant children crossings, which is a one-day record in American history. They won't even acknowledge. They act like they're doing a good job and that they inherited this problem. It, it is so unconscious and dishonest. Here's Jen Psaki riffing on Congresswoman Bush and, of course, conflating and deflecting and obfuscating as usual. Josh, cut 16. I think we shouldn't lose the forest through the trees here, which is that a member of Congress, an elected official, is concerned that her life is threatened. And that's disturbing that any elected official would have to suffer death threats and fear for their life. So I'm not going to comment, of course, on their security arrangements. I don't have any more details on that. Uh, but I think we should start with that point first. Oh, really? OK, so here's my follow up to that. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Press Secretary. How about this? Jen, 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 how about this? Can I have a question, Jen? Thank you. Peter Ducey and I will ask the, answer, ask the questions today. Here's my follow up to that. OK, 
then what about all the people that have been assaulted, murdered, had their properties destroyed, police officers that have frozen water bottles thrown in their face, urine thrown in their face, poked with uh, pointed instruments, cars set on fire, cars tipped over, any store of the bad actor's desire being looted, even in broad daylight. This stuff used to happen when there would be some controversial uh, jury decision and, and people would find that they had an excuse to set their town on fire or when they win a championship. Don't ever ask me to figure that one out, that when you win a championship in a major sport, you set your town on fire. I'll never understand that as well. Uh, but how about all that, Jen Psaki? How about all those people when they're at their, their cash register and people are coming in on bicycles with trash bags and they grab everything they want and just go right out of the store? And then even if you stop them and you charge them, they're out of jail before the police officer has even completed the paperwork. Your answer was terrible and dishonest. But there's more. It's like my friend, the late Ron Popeil. There's more. Wait, there's more. Josh, cut 17. I will say uh, that the president has been crystal clear that he opposes defunding the police. Uh, he has said that throughout the cam his campaign for office. His record over the last several decades has made that clear. He has proposed increased funding for law enforcement and the COPS program, increased funding from his predecessor, who was, as you might note or be aware of, a Republican. So I'd note that his record is pretty clear on this. There may be some in the Democratic Party, including Congresswoman Bush, who disagree with him. That's okay. But I would say the majority uh, of Democrats, we've seen this in polling, and the majority of members uh, also uh, agree that we should not defund the police. That's what they say. But as always, especially with dishonest politicians, listen to what they say, but more importantly, watch what they do. Because you don't see this full-throated defense. Joe Biden speaks quite a bit from those cue cards or from teleprompters. He's not in a position, it, it appears, to be able to speak extemporaneously, and that's something that I think we should all be very concerned about, and the media should pay more attention about that. Very few are. Fox News does cover it. Uh, most of the media does not cover it, and it's, it's extremely, you know, there's acts of omission and acts of commission. But they say that to answer a reporter's question, but look at how they govern. They're not asking any of these people to stop the defund movement. The president has – he's the leader of the Democrat Party. He has tremendous power to stop this. They don't want to stop it. They just say that they do. We'll be back in just a little bit. Thanks for spending this portion of your day. This is The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk. Generation of talk. Guy Benson. Hey, folks. It's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze 
to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt, Max, and Josh. This is Harry Hurley. Filling in today for Guy, he's doing really great. He's just off today, back on Monday, right here, where he belongs. This is a great story, and there's outstanding reporting at foxnews.com. But this really, again, like we were talking about in, in the immediate past segment, about these crazy answers that supposedly smart people, leaders, Smart people, people with very important positions, give when they're asked serious questions. Our Speaker of the House of Representatives, the People's House, Nancy Pelosi, is very confident, quote, and this is posted at uh, foxnews.com right now if you'd like to take a look at it. Not just confident, very confident that Democrats will win the House of Representatives in 2022. Let's take a little walk. Just take a moment. Just a nice little walk down memory lane. This is the reality. And and look, a few things will happen because believe it or not, even though 2022 is going to be here before you know it, scandal could happen. Someone could get sick. It, these numbers could change a little bit, one or two here or there. But right now, you would need the Republican Party to pick up five seats and they would have the majority of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi would be finished, and that would be that. Kevin McCarthy would be the next Speaker of the House, and I am utterly confident that that is going to happen. And let me tell you why. Just like you breathe air and you don't even realize it, this happens by just natural order. Here's what happens. And Check me. Check my homework out on this in case you doubt it. But since World War II, the president of the United States political party has lost an average of 26 seats in the House and an average of four seats in the Senate. The Senate is a little bit different story. Republicans are defending many more seats. I'm not going to speak about the Senate because I really do believe that that could go either way. Either either party has to just pick up one seat. Obviously, Democrats don't have to pick up any seats. They just need to defend. But other than September of uh, 2001, because of the terrorist attack and President Bush had a 90 percent approval rating, Republicans did not lose seats in the midterm election, the first midterm of the president in power 
it is the only time since World War II that this has happened. And it was for that reason. So picking up five seats is almost a guarantee. It just happens. It happens because of a lot of things. The party in power loses support. It's the way it goes, and it will go that way again. Chad Wolf is going to join us next, the former acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security on The Guy Benson Show. Stay with us. Much more straight ahead. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy Benson with Christine Wyatt, Max, and Josh. Guy will be back on Monday. Very important topic uh, during this segment of The Guy Benson Show because we we have to button this thing down. More than 800, the number that the uh, DHS reported was 834 children, migrant children crossings the day before yesterday. I mean, these numbers are about as fresh as you can get them. That's 834. We know the northern border is is buttoned down. It's very tight. You could be a double vaccinated Canadian. You could be a double vaccinated uh, friend from the United Kingdom. You're not getting in. The southern border, You there is no choice but at some point to accept that it is the stated or the unstated policy, but yet the policy, not stated, because they deny it. That That's horrific what they're doing here. The money was appropriated for the wall to be completed. The president actually took an act, a proactive step to unapprove something that had been approved. Why would you not want to tighten that up? And the reason is, and I've, I've often and always believed this, it is about the permanent Democrat majority that they're trying to put in place. Since Joe Biden has been president, we are talking hundreds of thousands. We don't even know for sure. Hundreds of thousands of illegals have waltzed right in. And the reason you know that it's it's a plan and they won't remember for the longest time, and I don't know if they ever have ever admitted that it's a crisis. Media would say, is it a crisis? No, it's not a crisis. We inherited this problem. No, they changed everything. There was a great policy that President Trump and his team and Chad was a part of that. Uh, Chad Wolf, the former acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security uh, and others, they, they had a great plan. People would stay on the on the Mexico side. And if it was someone that we investigated and believed that they should be coming. See, this is a great nation of legal immigration. We cannot become a nation of illegal immigration. It does a lot of things. It brings danger into your country because you don't know. You don't know the difference between who is a drug trafficker, human trafficker, an MS-13 gang member, or any other number of bad actors that see that this is wide open and you get right in. Now they got a thing where you're on a bus you're, uh, or maybe in a tent city in Texas or on a bus or on a plane, and you are being sent out into the country 
no COVID-19 test, which also begs the question, how can you say that you are staunch in terms of trying to do everything you can with respect to COVID-19, especially with this Delta variant, which we'll be speaking about a little bit later today on The Guy Benson Show with Dr. Mark Siegel, the Fox News medical contributor, who's been sensational for the past nearly year and a half on all of these issues relative to the, uh, the global health pandemic. How can you say you're serious about that when, oh, no, you're not? Because you leave that border open and you have to be leaving that border open on purpose. I just can't see how it could be for any other reason. It can't be. Let's look at some of these numbers, and there's outstanding reporting on this at um, foxnews.com. Look at these numbers. April, I'm sorry, August 4th, 834 children apprehended. That is a tragedy. This is the administration that talks about the previous administration separated children and, and all these things. None of it was true, but they said it anyhow. Children in custody, 2,784. Children transferred out of custody, 591. Children in HHS care, 14,523. To put it even more grim, United States authorities likely, because these numbers aren't perfect, because the way they're handling it, they want to make it look like there's not a problem. They're just getting them out real quick. It's a tremendous problem. It's a crisis and a dangerous one. They don't know who's coming in. They don't know who is coming into this country with what, with what intentions. Since Joe Biden has been president, enough fentanyl has come into this country to kill every single American, 270 million, four times each. This is an absolute national emergency, and they won't even admit that it's a problem, let alone admit that it's a crisis. For the month of July, not exactly ancient history, just a few days ago, more than 19,000 unaccompanied children. All-time smashing record. Previous high was in March, beneath 19,000, but high upper 18,000s, and again, under President Joe Biden. Because remember, from the moment he became president, he signed executive orders stopping many of the things that were working. Look, you can have a nasty campaign and not like someone, but you don't come in and cancel things that are working. The truth about this is, if he did nothing, he was inheriting an economy that was doing very well. He inherited Operation Warp Speed. He inherited a vaccine that the media said could not happen if, he had, if the president had done nothing. He put your people in, but say, we're going to keep this. But in politics, you have to try to show that the person that was in there before you did everything wrong. So thank God you're here now and you'll change everything. True leadership 
is saying, I don't care whose idea it was or is, if it's working, we're going to stay with it. And look at the numbers pre-Biden, look at the numbers involving illegal immigration post-Biden. Look at the work that Griff Jenkins did when he actually interviewed some of the most riveting and Guy had an interview with him on his program in the last couple of weeks. Griff was amazing. He's interviewing somebody who's a, a, a human smuggler. Right in the water. Guy Benson, uh, 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 Griff Jenkins, friend of mine, is in, in, in the water with the guy. And the guy is saying, we all know that the border is wide open. They all know it. If you ask Jen Psaki, if, if Peter Ducey asks Jen Psaki at the border, is the border wide open or is it being enforced? She, she will say we do not have a wide open border. Then what about these numbers? Oh, we inherited a crisis. We inherited a problem from the last administration. Oh, but this wasn't happening then. They have no answers. They lie on a daily basis. And other than Peter Ducey, nobody else there asks not tough questions. They don't even bother to ask the right questions. So this is something to consider. We'll take a brief time out. We'll be back in just a little bit. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt, Max, and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in just for today. Guy is very, very well, and he will be back on Monday. We are talking this half hour on The Guy Benson Show about a stunning report about a record one-day migrant children crossing through the southern border, which at some point in time, and it, it really is, it's a national crisis, I believe, is what Chad Wolf has called it. It's, it's clearly a national emergency, and at some point it is going to matter because you cannot have six figures. The, the estimate is that at the rate that the Biden administration is going, and this is a plan, at some point someone is going to have to just call them out and say, this is your plan. This is not some byproduct of a bad system that you inherited. And by the way, if you inherited such a bad system – You've had over six months to fix it. Then you suck at your job. If you inherited a bad problem, you're really bad at fixing a bad problem. But that's not the truth. It was buttoned down. It was tight. President Trump almost finished the wall, just ran out of time. And remember, he, uh, he had every trick in the book thrown at him because the Democrats did not want that, that border wall. And they always were. Barack Obama was in favor. They all have border walls in front of their houses, all of them. And they were always in favor of it until it was President Trump. So they're willing to leave this border open. If you're going to pick and choose, I don't want either to be loose, but you could make the case the northern border would be very easy to, um, to, to, to be much less guarded. We are, we are so tight right there, you just can't even believe it. But here on the southern border, 
And it isn't – keep in mind, it isn't just folks from Mexico. There are people coming from all over, and they know that this is the pathway. They've got the path marked. Go into the archives of foxnews.com. Check, check the still photography. Check the videos. The only news agency, news uh, company, network, that's, that's actually being intellectually honest with the American people. And it's not it's not partisan. It's news. It's it's it is critical news. It must it must be pursued. Because the byproduct is going to be there will be countless numbers of people. There already are. There are hundreds of thousands of people who should not be in this country right now who have been welcomed in by Joe Biden. That that is a storyline. Oh, no, no, no. That's not our plan. We don't mean to do that. Well, then then it's the law of unintended consequences. But we know the truth. It is the plan. Because why would you stop the construction, the, the last part of the border wall? Why would you do that? You would want that to be tightened, fortified, whatever you want to call it. And then we get back into the business of being the greatest country in the world. Because remember, we build a border wall to keep people from coming in. Other countries build walls to keep their citizens from getting out. All these people that run, and some of them are elected officials at the highest level, that trash our country, the greatest country, the freest country, greatest country in the history of the world, and they trash us on a pretty much daily basis. I don't see them moving out. If you can find somewhere better than the United States of America... You'll spend a long, long, many lifetimes trying to find that. But I underscore, no one's trying to get out of this country. People are trying to get in. We're the most compassionate nation. We offer the greatest social services in the history of the world. We take care of everyone, even people that shouldn't be here. You know, there are people that shouldn't be here that get taken better care of than citizens of this country in some respects. They want for nothing. Obama phones, EBT debit cards, rent assistance, you name it. They get it all. Furniture, it's all, all paid for. And of course, with this guaranteed income program that the, that the Democrats are putting in play, and keep in mind, they will exploit every single crisis that there is. They could not get the Green New Deal ever. It's so outrageous they could never have gotten it passed. But look what they can do under the heading of COVID-19 emergencies, infrastructure. Then they say, oh, it's human infrastructure. And then, of course, and you're going to see it happen, get ready for it. I know Guy Benson has talked about this. Even if you're, and I am for infrastructure, if there wasn't a diabolical scheme ready to go here, I am for infrastructure. We have a crumbling uh, infrastructure, roads, bridges. We've got serious, serious problems that have to be addressed. But I'm speaking about real infrastructure. 
they've, as they usually do, verbal gymnastics. They change the English language to, su- to support whatever it is they're looking to do. They now talk about human infrastructure. And, of course, when you start doing that kind of verbal gymnastics, you can then spend on anything, and you justify it merely by changing the English language. So get ready. After a and, – and it's been procedurally delayed. Some are surprised by that. They thought they had at least 10 or maybe as many as 20 senators ready to sign on board so that they'll get cloture if this holds. But it hasn't yet. But the majority leader, Schumer – has the Senate in session all weekend, if need be, because they want to get this done, because the moment they get it done, get ready for this. This this dovetails off of the topic of this half hour. It's, it's worth talking about for the final minute or so that we have in this hour, a couple of minutes. After they get the infrastructure, President Biden will be able to brag. First of all, the Democrat media will be calling a great victory. I mean, the, you you will never see more glowing uh, headlines and coverage about the great political victory for Joe Biden. Republicans will get no credit for being bipartisan. Biden will take credit, and they're 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 incredibly partisan. But they'll take great credit for being bipartisan. And then guess what happens next? They've got it all. The wheel is greased. It's ready to go. The parliamentarian has approved it. They're going to be able through the budget reconciliation process. They're going to be able to appropriate $3.5 trillion additional dollars. We are, ladies and gentlemen of the Guy Benson universe, we are getting the Green New Deal in disguise. And the Republicans actually will make it possible because by approving that piece of legislation for the infrastructure, whether it's just under a million or at a million, or as high as 1.2 million, some of that to be decided still. But it will be, let's just say, for today's sake, on the Guy Benson Show, that it's going to be about 1.2 trillion. If it was just a straight up, that was it, because remember how much we've already spent, how many trillions since the COVID-19 pandemic. Just remember that. This will be another 3.5 trillion We will never be able to pay it back. Our children will never be able to pay it back. Our great, 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 great grandchildren will never be able to pay it back. It will create this um, hyperinflation. Go look at what things cost right now. And they're playing the game again. They're shrinking everything and, and raising the price. You get less and it costs more. They don't even keep it the same and raise the price. They shrink it a bit. And, and charge you more. We have a very special interview coming up right after the break. A Rhode Island mom simply wants academic transparency, and she is in the process of being sued by a Rhode Island teachers union. On The Guy Benson Show next. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Kai Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt, Max, and Josh. 
I'm Harry Hurley. An honor to fill in today for Guy Only Today. Guy is doing really, really well. He'll be back on Monday. We begin this hour, and this is a very important interview because this kind of conduct, it's happening all over. Parents are going to school board meetings uh, so that both Nicole and John know I'm a former school board member. It was a long time ago, but I served two terms. I love doing the job. I love doing the job right. It was our job to see that the schools were run well, not to run the school. But if they weren't being run well, we were the boss of the superintendent. And we saw to it that the right thing would be done by the parents and in terms of educational delivery systems and so on. So when a parent would come to a board meeting or if they're just requesting public information through another channel, either sending a letter to the school or stopping by the school and asking, hey, can I have the uh, the curriculum on critical race theory? I, I want any academic documentation for why this is being taught. Uh, and I mean, that's your right as a taxpayer. That's your right as a parent. And it's outrageous that actually the NEA is suing Nicole Solis, a, R- a Rhode Island mom, for merely wanting to know what is the academic curriculum as it relates to this outrageous critical race theory that has no place in public education, taxpayer-funded public education, or really any educational delivery system. So Nicole is here, and also John Riches, the Director of National Litigation at the Goldwater Institute. So we're going to have a great conversation about this. Nicole, welcome. John, welcome. And Nicole, first question to you. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. How can you even process that on behalf of your child, you are requesting information about this extremely, at best, controversial uh, teaching methodology, which I find to be completely objectionable, outrageous, and has no place in any curriculum, in any educational delivery system, and somehow they're flipping the script on you and litigating and trying to sue you. It's a little hard to process, isn't it, Nicole? Yeah, you know, I'm not surprised. I've been in this conflict now for a few months, and um, these are the tactics that they use to try to be manipulative and evasive and um, bullying. So, again, I can't say I was surprised when I got served um, this litigation from the NEA, but it is really eye-opening how parents are now treated like adversaries from the get-go. This is my first experience with, with school as a parent. My daughter's only entering kindergarten, and I really did not anticipate that wanting to know what they're taught as it relates to CRT and gender theory would blow up into what it has blown up into. We'll get John in the interview uh, in just a moment, John, but a follow-up to Nicole. Have you been able to confirm, are they teaching critical race theory in your child's school? Or do they, because many school districts are doing it, but then they'll tell parents and they'll tell the public that, that it's not part of the curriculum, they're not doing it, but it turns out they are doing it. So then they're even being uh, completely dishonest about it. Have you confirmed that this is part of the curriculum in your child's school? Well, I know they're teaching it in practices. So they say it's a practice or a common practice, and they don't like saying, yes, we teach CRT. Instead, they use all these buzzwords like equity, diversity, and inclusion, and culturally responsive teaching. 
So when I initially called the principal, she said that they don't call children boys and girls because they don't want to use gender terminology. And in terms of CRT, um, they said that they have a certain line of thinking about history that they teach in every grade at an age-appropriate level. Um, in kindergarten, they start by asking kindergartners what could have been done differently on Thanksgiving, which is a ridiculous question. It shames them for their American heritage. And when I wanted to know every single practice they do with this ideology or indoctrination, whatever you want to call it, that's when they told me to submit public records requests, and they refused to answer my questions on the phone or in email. Um, additionally, I have other documents that I found by myself by investigating my school district um, on their own website, on their social media platforms like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, and I found a tweet that said, congratulations, South Kingstown teachers, for implementing practices of CRT. I found a document where the superintendent was requiring the equity auditor that they're soliciting to be uh, fluent in critical race theory. So I have plenty of evidence that they are teaching it in some way or practicing it in some way. And at this point, they're really just playing a semantics game if they try to deny it, you know, because what they're saying is we don't have a CRT class. We don't have a book. We don't have a CRT curriculum. Um, but instead, they have practices. And especially with gender theory, they embed the values of gender identity into the classroom. But when you yeah, ask it's a, how Nicole, you it's, it's do a, that, you know. N Nicole, it's a somewhat stealth yeah. way. They can deny right. that it's in the curriculum, but it's stealth. Uh, but, of course, when they're teaching it, it's not stealth at all. They're just keeping it from the parents. You're listening right. to a Rhode Island mom who is right now, I consider, a victim of the worst kind of practice that any public entity can do. And that is that the Rhode Island branch of a major teachers union is suing to block Nicole Solis from simply obtaining public records. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, John Riches, director of national litigation at the Goldwater Institute, that typically when a public entity, whether it's City Hall or a planning board or a board of education, wherever this practice takes place, when they try to flip the script on you and litigate against you and stop you from achieving your desired goal, which is simply to get public information, that should be like one request, and, and when can I pick it up? You know, we'll make the copies. It'll be available for you today. Come and get it, Nicole. No, no. They want to sue Nicole from getting this information. So I think it, it means they don't want her to have certain information. What do you say, John? Right. And, Harry, I think the word you used at the outset, outrageous, uh, is the right one. I mean, this is, this is extraordinary. This is, this is a brazen assault on the idea of open and transparent government. This is an insult to every parent who has a right to know what their child is learning. It's an insult to Nicole, who has a right to know what her child is, is learning. And, as you say, this turns the entire public records law on its head. The public records law is supposed to protect us. So the public can know what our government is up to. It is not supposed to be weaponized to go after the very people it was intended to protect. And that's exactly what the NEA has done here. It's a pure intimidation tactic by a powerful special interest group, uh, and it's not going to stand. And when they make it look like you're requesting so many things, oh, my gosh, you know, you're, you're a burden. We can't afford you. You're abusing this. You're abusing the law. I've seen all of this. I've covered this issue in other settings very, very closely where government will spend taxpayer money to go out of their way not to comply with an Open Public Records Act request. They're required within a certain amount of days to turn the information over, and 
all they would have to do, there wouldn't have to be litigation, just give Nicole Solis the documents that she wants, and there, there'd be no there'd be no litigation. But of course, they don't want to give you the documents, which is the whole point. The thing about critical race theory, and there's so many things about it that are just wrong. Uh, but when you when you basically are dividing children by race, you're telling basically white children to hate themselves, and then you're telling children of color to, to, that they're victims. But they're children. They they they're they're not the racists. They they love each other. If the adults, if the bad adults would get out of the way, the children are never the problem, John. Yeah, look, look, I mean, I happen to believe that, you know, individuals rise and fall on their own individual merit. We should be judged, as uh, MLK said, on the content of our character, on the color of our skin. And, of course, critical race theory rejects that. But, look, I mean, setting aside, setting aside that question, uh, Nicole has the right to know what her school's teaching, whether it's CRT, whether it's, I mean, you name it, whether it's a flat earth theory. She has a right to know what a publicly funded, taxpayer-funded school is teaching. And for the union to come back and use a tool of public access against the public, um, is it, it's unprecedented and, and uh, outrageous, frankly. Visiting with John Riches, Director of National Litigation at the Goldwater Institute, and apologize for the connection, but the content is very important. Uh, Nicole has has a, a much cleaner connection, Nicole, and we're going to continue with you for a few more minutes in terms of where things are right now. Because they are basically, they are suing you, is that their way of, right now they don't give you anything, they just deny your requests? And now they're filing litigation against you. They feel they stopped the clock like this. You don't, now you're not even entitled to any of the information you're requesting because they're flipping it to make you the problem. So they don't give you anything, I gather? Yeah, well, that was the – they then filed a temporary restraining order um, against me or against the, against the public records request. So that way until the initial complaint is in court and the judge decides – um, they are asking for a temporary restraining order so that way they don't have to fulfill the request in the meantime. Is that pending at the moment? They just filed it yesterday, I think, or the day before. I think it was yesterday, yeah. So a judge will have to rule on that as well. Have you received any of the information that you've requested? They have given me information here and there, um, but it hasn't been useful. My own uh, research was more useful to me in, in showing that they are teaching critical race theory in some way. So based on stuff that I have found, I thought, oh, well, why, didn't, why did I find this on my own? Why didn't they give that to me in a request that I had already submitted? And I think the answer to that is, is that public entities are, they kind of have discretion on interpreting language of a public record request. So if you ask for something one way, and if you say, um, you know, lessons about critical race theory, they'll come back and say, nope, we don't have that, because technically maybe they don't have an actual lesson titled critical race theory. But if you say something like, well, how about, um, you know, lessons where you talk about social justice and whiteness and supremacy, they, then you might come back with a hit. So it's a very tricky process, and I think that they constrain me to this very tricky process and then, they, and then, of course, they, 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 I'm sure they make you file more Open Public Records Act requests than you otherwise would because they're not giving you what you're requesting. And like you just described, and I believe you, Nicole, I've seen this. I've seen this many times during my career, and I've seen it many times when I was uh, a board member myself, where 
people try to make the parent the problem. And then they even, right. your child's very young, there's usually not retaliation at, at the, the earliest grade levels, but then you even have to watch out for how your kids are treated in school, uh, if you dare to challenge the authority. In terms of uh, this issue, are you alone or do you have support in the community? Are there a lot of people in your Rhode Island community that are standing with you uh, to, to fight against critical race theory, or are you on your own with this? Oh, no, I have overwhelming support. I, I really can't even keep up with the messages that I'm getting from people that they send me. And um, initially, on June 2nd, my own school committee also threatened to sue me, and I had a lot of people from my community come out to support me, and it was really that um, tidal wave of support that I think moved the school committee to vote not to sue me. Um, so I have been supported from from day one with this, and um, I'm really lucky. Nicole, final, and I would think you would be because this is really unpopular with most reasonable people that this is just a very divisive uh, issue that it has no business in the educational delivery system. And uh, most reasonable people agree with that. This is part of a very radical agenda to try to completely change our country. And it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Nicole, do you have any idea time-wise uh, how long how long can they um, keep your hands tied like this? Did we drop Nicole, Josh? Okay. Nicole, uh, sorry for the technical glitch right at the end, and we were finishing up right now uh, in any event. Uh, that's Nicole Solis and also John Riches, the director of national litigation at the Goldwater Institute. We're going to keep a very close eye on what's going on here uh, because when a citizen requests public information, it's not a big deal. I've seen these requests made and if you're a public servant you just have no right other than to comply people ask for information for whatever reason they ask for it they either they either don't like something that you're doing or they just want to make sure that what you're doing is in keeping with the type of education that they want their children to receive nothing unreasonable about that but very unreasonable when government works this hard to deny a citizen basic public information. I've never seen a case where that doesn't end with there was a reason they did it, and it was because they have something to hide. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. A fresh take on the biggest stories of the day. It's Guy Benson. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt, Max and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in just for today. Guy is great. And he will be back on Monday. Important topic that we're going to close this half hour with. And it's something we should pay close attention to. And I do love reporting good news. I know the expression, if it bleeds, it leads. But non-farm payrolls, and that's always kind of interesting how we use very arcane reporting practices. That at some point, we're going to have to revise the way that we report jobs because it's extremely uh, 
inaccurate based on today's technology and the way the jobs um, uh, exist that didn't exist in the past. But U.S. employers exceeded the projections, which were in about the 870,000 job range for a month of July uh, of 943,000 new workers, which is terrific. Keep in mind, I love good news, but you also want to dig deep and explain it. Because Art Laffer, who I have a lot of um, respect and faith in, one of the great economic minds in the history of the country, he said, and I quote to Fox News Channel, we will never get lost jobs back if we continue with spending plans. And in fact, it was to the Fox Business Channel. I'm sure he has said it on Fox News Channel as well. That's a very important point that he made. Also remember, half the states ended the additional federal government benefits subsidy. So people had to go back to work. When there was more of a benefit to stay home for some people than there was to go back to work, remember the June numbers should have been great and they weren't. July is more for the reasons that I just gave you. Number one, there is a tremendous demand. I don't know of a state in this great union that doesn't have this similar problem of getting people to work in restaurants, in hotels, some of the, some of the most coveted jobs, summer jobs, people couldn't fill this summer. And believe me, before the Delta variant, the month of July was record-setting in many, many parts of the country. So great news. Non-farm payrolls increased by 943,000 workers in July. And the unemployment rate fell to 5.4%. Remember, when this model was created, it was believed that you could never get below 6%. We've gotten well below that. And we're below it now because the belief was either more than that would be too unwell or too unwilling to work. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. When we come back, more important content. Stay with us. Stay close. And thanks for listening to The Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, Max, and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in just for today. Guy will be back on Monday. This is The Guy Benson Show. Guy's doing great. Just off today, back on Monday. Well, this is a perfect uh, distinguished gentleman to, to welcome to The Guy Benson Show because he's been there, done that. He's a serious man, and these are incredibly serious times. Our former distinguished former acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, America First Policy Institute chairman of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration, joins us now on the Guy Benson Newsmaker Hotline. Chad Wolf, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Chad, good to be with you. I have a working theory that the northern border is very tight on purpose, even though fully vaccinated Canadians are great ally friends from the United Kingdom. Uh, they're buttoned. It's all buttoned down. It's real tight. The southern border is wide open on purpose. It could have been tightened. The, the previous policies of your time in office and my former boss, President Trump, just for your information, I know him well. Uh, that southern border is an intentional strategy. They say it's not, but every action that happens proves it is. Uh, 
Am I wrong with what I said? Well, no, you're you're absolutely right, and it's it's completely intentional because all you have to do is go back to the campaign that then candidate candidate Biden talked about, and they talked about removing a lot of these policies that they did shortly after inauguration day in, in January, and the result is what you see today. So, I'm not sure how it's uh, it's not anything but purposeful. Chad, drug traffickers, human trafficking, MS-13 gang members, uh, through no fault of their own. People that clearly, I'm sure in many cases, uh, coming from oppressed circumstances, uh, in many cases bringing COVID-19 or maybe other issues. They're not being screened. They're being let in. They're not even being tested. They're on buses. They're on planes. This is one of the most outrageous, grotesque things I can ever remember. Well, uh, again, you're right. Uh, You know, the... The southern border right now, what's going on down there is unprecedented. It's unprecedented in the sense of the amount of illegal migrants, aliens, illegal aliens that are coming across that border, but also, as you indicated, the the illegal narcotics, the human trafficking, the criminal element uh, that is occurring down there, as well as the COVID, uh, that we know a lot of these folks are coming from countries that do not have high vaccination rates. Uh, come from high positivity rates. They don't have the public health infrastructure that we do here in the U.S. And so a lot of them are showing up positive and bringing that back into American communities. Um, And so what the Biden administration is doing, or not doing, I should say, is there's there's no strategy. There's no plan to attack this. Instead, they're very reactionary. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, what they're not doing is actually trying to stop this illegal flow of individuals. Instead, they're treating it as a capacity issue. They're trying to build more facilities. They're trying to treat people that they come into contact with, and that's fine. But unless you address the the legal nature of of the way in which these folks are moving, you're going to continue to have these just high historic numbers every single month. Chad, I'm aware of how you did your job with a lot of integrity. You worked really hard. You guys had a lot of good uh, policies in place. You had the Uh, agreement with Mexico that people stayed on that side until we decided that that it was someone that should come into the country. As you know, we're the greatest nation in the history of the world in terms of legal immigration. This isn't that. In terms of what we hear on a daily basis, they won't even admit there's a problem. And you know the old axiom, if you don't admit there's a problem, you can't fix it. And their, their constant excuse for all of this is basically you and my former boss, President Trump, did this. They haven't, done, they haven't done anything wrong. They don't even acknowledge there's a problem except to say that you left them a big problem, which means they're completely blatantly intellectually dishonest because they're ignoring the fact that the new president has changed many things that were working, which I always thought was a stupid thing. If you took over an operation and you're the new CEO, you find out what's working, you keep it, you find out what's broken and you fix it, what they're doing is they're they're breaking something that was working well, and I think even the Democrat media that, that is really dishonest in the last six months, even they have to acknowledge, and they have. I mean, I guess it was the Washington Post that gave this Biden and Pisaki uh, musing that that it's that you and Trump left it for them. Uh, what do you what do you think when you hear them lie like this? Well, they're certainly uh, dishonest. What we've heard over the last six months is any number of reasons, or I would say excuses, of 
why we are seeing the crisis that we're seeing today. And you mentioned a couple of them, but they've been really all over the map. First, they talked about it seasonal. Then they talked about uh, the reason for this mass migration were hurricanes, hurricanes from four to five years ago that were providing that instability in the Northern Triangle. Uh, then it was Trump, and then it was me, and then it was our policies. It was, it's been everything but what most average Americans see is if you break down a system and you change policies that work, and you advertise that the border is open and you encourage people to come, well, guess what? You have a crisis. This isn't rocket science. You don't need to do a thesis on why the numbers are what they are. The numbers are because the Biden administration advertised this during the campaign, uh, you know, and they fulfilled their campaign promise over the course of several weeks and months. And, the you know, the coyotes, the cartels and others are paying attention. And so you absolutely see this surge today for one reason and one reason only, and that's because the Biden administration is not taking steps to address the illegal nature of that activity. And I can't underscore that enough. It's fine if they want to change policies. If you want to take down a President Trump policy that was working, then you need to replace it with something else that works. Maybe it's a different approach, but it needs to work. Instead, what they've done is they've torn down Trump-era policies that we instituted, and they haven't replaced them with anything. Um, and when you don't replace them with anything, guess what? Guess who takes the vacuum and is the cartels. And they will take advantage of that. They've been taking advantage of that to historic proportions that we have never seen before. I can't emphasize that enough. The border is on fire. It's mismanaged. And it's going to take years to get it back to the way it was. When you say earlier, Chad, just a moment ago, that they haven't, they did away with good policies that were working and they, they didn't, um, however you said it, implement uh, a policy. And I like the way you said it. I have no problem. They didn't like my way, but you got to come up with a way that's at least as good or better. But I say they have come up with a policy. Their policy is an open southern border. I believe, I don't know if you'll go this far, but I, I will on the Guy Benson Show, and we're visiting with Chad Wolf, the former acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and you know you know how to do the job, and you guys did a really good job of buttoning down the southern border. They're, they do have a policy. Their policy is an open southern border, a very tight northern border, open southern border, and they're marching towards the permanent Democrat majority in this country because in the end of four years, we will have five million future Democrats uh, that have come into the country. That, that's my belief. I believe it, it's not an act of omission. Uh, it, 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 is, it is a policy. It is the policy. They won't admit it, but it is the, the unstated policy of the Biden administration to purposefully leave that border open. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, I think that's certainly one option, uh, and I've, I've seen a lot and heard a lot about that. Um, I, you know, I can't say for sure whether that is their approach. It certainly, it certainly appears that way, because not only are they keeping the border open, but of course now you have congressional Democrats talking about amnesty, yes, providing amnesty for those that have come here illegally, that are here in the United States, and now they want to provide amnesty or, or a pathway to citizenship for these individuals. So you you have to draw that conclusion that you made earlier, which is this is a designed goal to allow these individuals to come into the country illegally and then provide a pathway to citizenship, which obviously means, you know, you're allowed to vote, uh, et cetera. So 
it certainly looks like this is their plan. Otherwise, it would not be as cord- coordinated uh, as it is and as we see today. And then, of course, beyond, I'm sure millions, if they had $5 million in a year, I'm sure millions, and I don't know how many millions, but many millions would be beautiful, wonderful people uh, that were in a very, very bad situation. Uh, but what we don't know, Chad Wolf, is how many people that want to do us harm how many MS-13 gang members? How many drug traffickers? It's my understanding that in the first six months of the Biden administration, enough fentanyl has come into this country through that leaking like a sieve southern border to kill every one of 270 million Americans four times over. So the drug impact, the human trafficking, the, the tragedy that is this unstated policy that is so dangerous for our country, I, I don't think any serious person could deny that comment. I don't think they can, because I think what you see here is the Biden administration has what I would consider one of the most inhumane immigration policies out there, which is that they are incentivizing uh, folks to come to that border. And so what does that mean? That means putting themselves in harm's way. Every individual that crosses that border illegally does so uh, because they pay a cartel member. They pay them thousands and thousands of dollars. And you're put in a very dangerous situation. Uh, many are abused, raped, murdered um, that, along that journey. And so they are incentivizing this. And in the process, what are they doing? They are making cartels are making millions of dollars a day, not a week, not a month, but a day. And they are turning around and using that money to fuel their criminal enterprise, which again goes to the narcotics, the human trafficking. And so you have this vicious cycle that the Biden administration, through their policies, is encouraging and and fueling and uh, and and sort of backing um, and it's 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 not the right approach. There is another way. We showed that there was another way to secure the border during the last four years of the Trump administration. It it, it takes some difficult decisions, um, but it's the right thing to do not only for the sovereignty of the border, but for the American communities along that border and the American people. You have to put Americans first when you look at your immigration you know, policy agenda. And that's not what we see today. Chad, Chad, I know we're going to break in about a minute. I would like to get this in real quick and give you 30 seconds or so for a quick comment, because I know you have to go. We have the border states that are paying such a heavy price, residents that have people on their properties. I mean, robberies, all kinds of issues, uh, scared as can be, and it's understandable. Uh, And if you get a Governor Abbott or somebody like that that tries to do something, Then you actually have the federal government work against them. They're not helping them. Then they won't let them help themselves. Closing comment. Well, it's truly unbelievable that we're now in a place that the federal government is going to take legal action against the state of Texas for actually trying to secure their border and protect their citizens. Exactly. Um, They're having to do that because the federal government won't step up and enforce the laws that they're required to enforce. And that's a sad, very sad state of where we're at. I know during the four years of the Trump administration, we worked hand in glove with governors. Sometimes we had different opinions on how to accomplish things, but we were all on the same side as far as protecting that border and protecting the communities and making sure that folks still adhere to the the, the legal immigration system and not the illegal immigration system. And so now we're in this weird uh, world where the federal government won't enforce the laws, but also won't allow a state to enforce the laws. 
And it's just, it's backwards. Unfortunately, I believe the Biden administration is adhering and really kowtowing to the, the far left immigration activists of their party. And in the meantime, are are really putting the, the safety and the security of Americans at risk. I agree completely. And that's further evidence that that is their plan. They won't help you and they won't let you help you. Chad Wolf, thank you. You had a tough job. Thank you for your public service in your former role. And we look forward to continuing to follow your great work at the America First Policy Institute. Thanks for appearing today on The Guy Benson Show, Chad. All right. Well, well thank you. Appreciate the time. Take good care. We appreciate you back. We'll be back in just a little bit. Stay close. Much more important content straight ahead because this is The Guy Benson Show. A fresh take on the biggest stories of the day. It's Guy Benson. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with this wonderful cast of The Guy Benson Show, Team Christine. That would be Leader Christine, Wyatt, Max, and Josh. I am merely the filling guy, Harry Hurley. Honored to be here for Guy, who will be back on Monday. If you're worried about anything, oh my gosh, Guy's not here. Is everything okay? Guy is fine, and he will be here on Monday. Everything is as it should be. Everything is fine. Now, this has to be talked about in the few minutes that we have left in this hour. There are some times, and you know this, you can draw from your own experience, there are some times where you know how something is going to end. You just know it. Sometimes you can't explain exactly why. You know, there's this expression about, well, I can't really describe it, but I I know it when I see it. The governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, it's been outrageous that he's been able to even continue this long. And, you know, people keep forgetting. Janice Dean won't let him forget She's been amazing. The nursing home scandals should have been enough. The 11 allegations, and they're so well documented and many corroborated in many, many different ways with witnesses and all kinds of things. And you know when the excuse is, hey, I'm 63 years old and I just, you know, what I do, you're mistaking. He was blaming the victims for being wrong and not being able to understand his touchy-feely nature. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's a level of narcissism. Uh, Congresswoman Stefanik is exactly right. Uh, it's incredible, truly incredible. But I know I'm going to tell you today, if you have any doubt, I know how this ends. He's gone. He's lost the support everywhere. President Biden, both leaders, Pelosi, Schumer, a super, super majority of the New York Assembly, the entire New York legislature. So it's only a matter of how does he leave? Does does he process and understand that he can't? There's no end game where he can continue. This is checkmate. There's times you're at the chessboard and you're you've lost, but you have a few more moves left before the end. A lot of times they'll put the the piece down and shake your hand and you win. Some people fight to the end, even in the the no-win scenario. It's a no-win scenario. Nobody's listening. He is of, like, Peanut's caricature stature at this point. He's the parents that sometimes you see, like, a foot or a hand or part of a hand come swooping through the screen, 
and the children of the stars, and you hear every once in a while, hey, who's that? Yeah, that's my, my mom. Wah, wah, wah. You hear nothing. Nothing he says matters. He thinks he's eloquent. He thinks he has some magic. It's over. Just fill in the date. That's the only thing I can't promise you today on the, the Guy Benson Show. It's over. I, I think because of his character, his personality, his makeup, I presume he'll push this as far as he can. You might see a spectacular trial. And remember, New York is different. This isn't like the House of Representatives where the, the House impeaches and the Senate has a trial. There are judges involved in this thing. Maybe some that he's even appointed. Maybe he thinks he has a shot of winning at this trial, if you will. But it's just not going to happen. Uh, one way or the other, he will be done. And in fact, uh, he has his first criminal complaint filed with the Albany County Sheriff's Department. Uh, that's taken place. There's coverage at foxnews.com about that. There's an excellent piece in the New York Post. Uh, mean Girl, Melissa DeRosa, there's a lot to unpack here. And stay stay tuned to it, but it is going to end. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Not quite. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, Max, and Josh. I'm the fill-in guy, Harry Hurley. Just for today, Guy is doing great, and he will be back on Monday. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. It's the happy hour. Now, some of this is not going to be so happy, but Dr. Mark Siegel is a very happy man, so I think it qualifies as the happy hour to have a very good man, a great American, uh, America's doctor uh, in general, but in particular uh, the past year and a half during the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, just exceptional, extraordinary work that he has done uh, in his practice and also, of course, on the Fox News channel as Fox News medical correspondent. Dr. Siegel is the best-selling author. It really it was basically fortuitous. COVID, the politics of fear and the power of science. And his Twitter handle is at Dr. Mark Siegel. That's M-A-R-C-S-I-E-G-E-L. Dr. Siegel, it's Harry. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, sir. Great to be on with you on happy hour, but unfortunately, I have to tell you that a cocktail does not kill the uh, Delta variant. Understood, kind sir. And uh, this Delta variant, I mean, it was, what, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, that 70 or more percent of the American people felt that the worst of the pandemic was behind us. And now we have 60 percent who now say the worst of the pandemic is yet to come. It was only a few weeks ago. And I don't I don't believe he was lying. The American president said to everyone, please get vaccinated and the pandemic is over for you. Please get vaccinated. And, you know, COVID-19 is out of your life, basically, Dr. Siegel, until it wasn't. 
Well, a lot of that has to do with the fact that not enough people have gotten vaccinated because the mRNA vaccines do target the spike protein, which is the same thing that the variants are playing around with. The mutations are occurring on those proteins, but the vaccines are covering them almost across the board. So really, if you were vaccinated most of the time, the vast majority of the time, you're going to end up with a very mild case or no case. And so there's still time for that to be true. You know, there's a worldwide problem where very little vaccine uptake in many countries in the world, and so we're seeing more variants. But I think the thing we can do here is is to get vaccinated still. And so, you know, there's still time left, and there's plenty of vaccine out there. And I think, you know, clearly over half the country is fully vaccinated. That's good. But we we have to get it to be much higher than that. I think even people that have recovered from COVID, which are an overlooked group, because they have a they have a certain amount of immunity here too, Harry, that that is protective. But even that group, I would say to at least get one shot of the vaccine. I, I think that I think that you know there's been too much bullying going on. That's not working. Mm. Um, but vaccine uptake is 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 up. It's on its way up. We got to get it a lot higher. The Delta variant, if passed as prologue and you, you're, you'll comment on this in just a second, India had it, and it was, it was very significant. And within a month, no, it wasn't, although I'm starting to read that there may be an uptick all over again, but I don't want to get too confused here. United Kingdom, variant, the Delta variant, same deal after about a month. Do, should we expect a similar result here in America? Well, I think so, but you have to understand that the U.K. put on a big vaccination campaign. And so, you know, I think one of the things we can do here is to get this le- this vaccine license. Maybe that will ease people's fears, although it shouldn't be necessary. We're talking about something that hundreds of millions of people have taken already. So we should be very comfortable taking this vaccine. But there'll be a group that will take it only once uh, it's been licensed. And the FDA is under a lot of pressure to do that. They're going to do it over the next couple of weeks for sure. Once they do it, some places will start to try to mandate it. And my view on that might surprise you, Harry. I'm a, I don't really have an issue with, with, on the business level, small business level, whether that happens, provided that there are provisions in there for people that are getting over COVID, people that have had re- reactions to the first shot so they can't get the second. Or, yes. You know, medical exemptions and religious exemptions. That being said, you know, I, I, I certainly feel that healthcare workers should take it and, and, and teachers. Yeah, I've, I've both surprised and disappointed a few because I've taken the same position. I, I believe in the vaccine. I believe it is saving lives. And I believe what you have said throughout this um, pandemic. And I do feel that the Delta variant did quickly jack up the percentage from 60% to 70%. That's not full inoculation or full vaccination, rather, but 70% of the American people with at least one jab. I think the Delta variant has a lot to do with that. They saw hospitalizations ticking up. They saw the positive cases, I mean, growing big time. And in, and in some of the states where they had uh, not so great a overall percentage of vaccinated, they've, they've, they've seen what that has done in the hospitals Dr. Siegel, where some not have been... enough. Yeah, exactly. It's not enough. I mean, we're, I talked to two experts, two leading experts in Texas today, one down by the border, the other one in Houston. And, you know, the hospitals in Texas are filling up with, with uh, 30 to 50-year-olds that are unvaccinated or, or have never had COVID. And I think there's still a ways to go. Now, you're talking about vaccination uptake up to around 800,000 a day 
that's terrific. But we were at three million at one point. If we yeah. were back, if we could get it back to three million a day, we will be out of this thing by a month in a month. But you agree that the last thirty percent are the unwilling, and they're going to be slow to come to the table. Yeah, I know, but the, but there's a lot of things that might bring them to the table, some of which I said, which is businesses putting pressure on them. I don't want the government doing that. I want businesses putting pressure, but also seeing, you know, your friend got the vaccine, so you get the vaccine, or your friend, God forbid, got sick, and you say, I don't want to get sick. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to, to take the vaccine. Maybe people are getting used to the vaccine now, finally. been a lot of scare stories out there, but, you know, I have to tell you, if I walk around my hospital, I'm not seeing people that have had the vaccine in there. I'm, I'm seeing people with COVID. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's starting to settle in the information. And, and, and the other thing is, and I've said this for weeks now, Harry, it's an emotional decision whether to take a vaccine. We're yeah. approaching it the wrong way, and especially the government has been approaching it the wrong way. Well, you're an idiot if you don't take it. Well, we know and you don't know. Well, it, there's emotions involved with putting a needle in your arm. It's an emotional decision, and that's how it has to be approached. Do you think that Dr. Fauci made a mistake? I mean, already the American people thought it was over, and it's not. So you see masks coming back, and school kids are going to be wearing masks, and different governors are making different decisions. My governor made a decision today. K-12 through will be wearing face masks. This is, this is happening all over the country, and we know in indoor settings it's happening all over again. So when all this is being processed, Dr. Fauci says that out of nowhere he just decides to say that he expects a more harmful variant is coming down the, the road. I, I, you can't answer for him, but why would somebody in his position say something stupid like that? Well, Dr. Fauci always wants to be in a position where he's not uh, reacting late. He wants to be ahead of, of, the, of the issue. But I think in this case, you know, he, need, he, he got too far ahead. And I, yeah. my view of that is that the vaccines have done a beautiful job against all the variants we've had. I don't expect a vaccine to emerge that, uh, you know, that eludes the vaccine. But I think he, he probably just expressed the wrong way the following point, which is we got to get the world vaccinated. We need 5 billion doses around the world to vaccinate the world so that variants don't spin out of unvaccinated populations. That's not America's responsibility. But America has a very good track record of leading the world in terms of that kind of thing. We did it with PEPFAR. We did it with HIV AIDS. We've done it before. So, you know, I think we, we, we can find the cheap vaccine and figure out a way to promote it to the rest of the world. That's part of it, but that's not doom and gloom doomsday stuff. And I'm not expecting a doomsday scenario here. As far as masks are concerned, you know, I don't think masks are, I think we've made too big a deal of it. I think the mask religion on the left is ridiculous. Yeah. I think the mask resistors on the right are a little over, overstated, too. I don't Agreed. think the mask does much against the Delta variant, frankly. I mean, it's such, it's such a highly spreadable disease. I don't know that a cloth porous mask that you're wearing over your chin is helping you much. Right. And I, I just don't think it should be a battle all the time. Dr. Siegel, I know you have to run in just a second. Can you make a quick comment on this Lambda variant that we're starting to hear about? The Lambda variant came out of Peru, out of South America, and I, I, I don't think it's this, on the same order of concern because I don't think it's as transmissible as the Delta. And it uh, happens to be that a study out of NYU looks like our vaccine does cover it. So I'm not worried about the Lambda variant. I am worried, not worried, I am keeping an eye on the idea of what else could come out of 
countries with very low vaccine uptake. I think that's the better way to put it, not that the worst is yet to come. I think I don't think this wave is ever going to be as bad as what we had last winter because of the percentage of people who are vaccinated. Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you for your partnership. Have a great weekend. My pleasure, Harry. Always a great time to with you. Thank you. Same here. Thank you, sir. Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News medical correspondent extraordinaire. We'll be back. Oh, wait till you hear what we're going to be talking about. I want to, I want to just tease it for a quick second. The Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. I shouldn't laugh because I never laugh when someone ultimately loses their job. I don't want to see that ever. I mean, these are, these are tough times. But somebody who was in her position for 33 years has lost her position. And I will tell you why this happened next on The Guy Benson Show. Energetic, informed, fast-paced. Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine, Wyatt, Max, and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley filling in. Guy will be back on Monday. And no worries, guy is doing great. The Baltimore Symphony has fired their principal flutist over her social media posts. I've often counseled, anybody's ever brought things up to me about what you post on social media, I always tell people, especially impressionable younger people that are looking to interview for a position, if you don't think the hiring authority is doing a new search and checking everything that you've put up on your social media. That's why you always want to be very careful people put up, like, I hate my job, or or just doing crazy things and posting about it. All of that is like, it's like your fingerprints. It, it will follow you. So I'm also, though, a big fan of free speech. And I will say I've seen some of the stuff that the principal flutist, Emily Scala, who I never heard of until her termination very recently. I looked at it and I thought, well, I would never write anything like that, but this is America, and should you lose your position? Now, she, she may have some wacky views, or she may have views that fall right in line, square, with your own beliefs regarded, regarding COVID-19 vaccines, regarding face masks, regarding the 2020 election, because make no mistake about it, a large portion of the country thinks that the 2020 election was stolen. Not everyone, but a significant number. There are a lot of people in this country that don't want to hear anything about face masks. I don't have any problem with the face masks, to be honest. I've heard my friend Sean Hannity say that. COVID-19 vaccines, uh, I'm I'm all in. I'm for it. Anything that's going to I've had very good friends die of COVID-19. I think when you actually know someone and supposedly 28 to 30 percent of the American people, someone related to them has died of COVID-19. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. We've had 600 and some thousand deaths, just under 700,000 in the past year and a half documented. 
as COVID-19 deaths. And there's hundreds of millions of people. But that number has translated to nearly a third of the population having someone very close to them that has died. And if they're not a direct relative, in all of our lives, we have people that are just as close, that we call brother or sister or whatever, uh, that aren't blood-related but are every bit family to you. So Emily Scala, not a household name, and she never will be, even after this report on The Guy Benson Show, she was with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra for 33 years. And she was the principal flutist. Here was what they they say about why she's gone. Principal flutist Emily Scala has been dismissed from the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra in accordance with the progressive discipline policy agreed to in our collective bargaining agreement with the Musicians Association of the Metropolitan Baltimore Local 40-543-AFM. This is the symphony's president and CEO saying this stuff. Quote, Miscala has had discipline imposed upon her over these past few months. Unfortunately, she has repeated the conduct for which she had been previously disciplined, and dismissal was the necessary and appropriate reaction to this behavior. Scala, for her part in this, said that she had been suspended from her work duties, and she told the Baltimore Sun that she was notified by telephone this week, this past Tuesday. Quote, I've only ever wanted to state my truth. She told the news outlet, I'm not going to publicize what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to sit passively by. The BSO, of course, the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, the BSO can expect to hear from me. End quote, said Scala. So obviously she's going to litigate. She believes the incident that triggered her dismissal occurred on July 23rd. She says she went to the Symphony Hall to hand in a new W-4 tax form. She wasn't wearing a mask and she had not had a COVID-19 test as is required by BSO health protocols, but told the news agency she didn't intend to go inside when she discovered her car key or key card rather had been deactivated she tried to open the door to hand her form to a security guard and so this is where this part of the um, progressive discipline happened i don't know because she was already suspended prior to arriving without the mask and without the test this much i do know i don't think she wins on that Maybe she wins on being terminated because of her social media and that people have an, a right to free speech. But you, you, you know, I think all of you know this. Employers have the right to implement certain rules, regulations, policies, and procedures. Different states are at will where you can just let somebody go anyhow. But they've, they've given a reason, though. So that even if it's at will in um, – in Maryland, New Jersey is an at-will state, for example. Uh, not all states are. But they gave her a reason for the termination. That's important because as she litigates this, she will be litigating it on, they don't like my position, I'm not vaccinated possibly, and I don't know if she is or she isn't, but it seems like she's not. Uh, her position on not wearing masks 
and anything she's posted about her beliefs of the 2020 election. We'll follow this. Uh, It's uh, one of those things that in days gone by, what people would talk about and what people would write about like that, people might comment around the water cooler, but it would usually not result in you losing your position. However, you have to be mindful. This is a woke, broke, joke, very challenging era that we live in, and you have to be very careful out there. We'll be back. My former governor, my good friend, Governor Chris Christie, is next on The Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt, Max, and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in just for today. Guy will be back on Monday. He's doing great. Just for today, I'm in. And we have a, uh, a great friend, uh, national respected figure, and quite a resume, 55th governor of the state of New Jersey, former United States attorney, actually did more as United States attorney uh, during his term, uh, appointed by President Bush II, than any United States attorney from New Jersey that I've ever seen in 30 years of my career, and before that even. Uh, Our guest was a candidate for president of the United States once, and I believe will be a future candidate for president of the United States. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He is a network television political analyst. And his book, which will be out this fall, Chris Christie, Republican Rescue, Saving the Party from Truth Deniers, Conspiracy Theorists, and the Dangerous Policies of Joe Biden, my very good friend on the Guy Benson Newsmaker Hotline, Governor Chris Christie. Welcome, my friend. Happy to be back, Harry. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Oh, do I have a list of questions for you? And I know because I've been interviewing you for close to 20 years now that there's no rules with Chris Christie. You don't say what you're going to ask in advance and you're willing to talk about anything. And I know you had a very good working relationship uh, with your neighboring governor, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. But, you know, I'd have to turn in my press pass if I don't ask this question. And I, and I want to keep it for at least another 30 years, if you don't mind. I want to cover your presidency. <laughs> uh, do you agree with me that there is no surviving this? It is over for Governor Cuomo. The end is near. We just don't know the date. You know, Harry, I, I would only say this. I, I've watched these things go on over the years in my political career. And there have been times when I was absolutely certain about something and turned out to be wrong. Um, I would say that if the allegations that are in that report are absolutely proven true, then there's no place to go but to leave office. Um, And and I'd also say I I watched today that the the governor's lawyers held a press conference today to answer some of the things. And I, I think my first suggestion to Governor Cuomo would be to get better lawyers. Um, because that was about some of the worst advocacy I've ever seen on behalf of a client. They get asked about the state trooper um, allegation against the governor, which, you know, they said through a statement was not true. They get asked about it, and they never once say it's not true. They start answering all kinds of process questions. And so, look, I'd say in the end that these allegations are really disturbing, and if if they're true, if they're proven true, um, then, you know, he's got he's got no place to go. Governor Chris, uh, Governor Chris Christie is our guest uh, on the Guy Benson show on the Guy Benson show newsmaker hotline. Josh, if you would and allow the governor to hear it at, at the same time, 
Uh, I want Governor Christie, I know he's familiar with this, but I want him to hear directly from the Education Secretary, his message, Miguel uh, Cardona, on Governor DeSantis of Florida uh, basically laying blame and telling uh, America that Governor DeSantis should not keep children from being able to go to school. That's cut 11. What is your message to governors like Governor DeSantis in Florida and Governor Abbott of Texas who have banned mask mandates? You know, don't be the reason why schools are interrupted. Our, our kids have suffered enough. Let's do what we know works. Let's do what we know works across the country. We shouldn't get poli- politics. Should, doesn't have a role in this. Educators know what to do. Uh, we did it last year. So I have calls out to those states. But at the end of the day, I want to work with Texas. I want to work with Florida. I want to make sure those students have access to in-person learning. At the end of the day, we're all in this together. And it's critically important that we have conversations with governors directly, with state chiefs directly. We want to be uh, an ally and make sure that we're supporting our students. At the end of the day, we're talking about students being in classrooms. They've suffered enough. It's time for, for them to be in the classroom without disruption to their learning. Governor Christie, you're one of the most astute political analysts when it comes to the intersection of the media and politics and who they go after and who they give a break to. I mean, Hunter Biden's an artist now, and that's not even news. I mean, I mean, come on. And yet here we go. Here's Ron DeSantis, who they fear will be a presidential candidate. You may be running against him, actually. Uh, and here we go. The media pouring on to try to make him a COVID-19 failure with the increased cases of obviously the Delta spike is going to affect uh, a densely populated uh, tourist attraction a destination resort like Florida. So they want to crush him with that. Now they want to crush him with it. He's the guy that's going to keep the kids from going uh, back to school. And I smell absolute political garbage here. What are your thoughts? Sure. Sure. You, you, your, your sense of smell is correct. And, and, and why aren't we talking about the idea that if teachers want to come back in the classroom, they should be vaccinated. You know, we hear no mention of the teachers union and the teachers union's reluctance at this point, um, refusal, quite frankly, to say that, you know, adults are the ones who transmit this disease. We have no solid scientific evidence that there's been any type of transmission amongst children. And, And so yet there's all this focus on the children in school. What about the adults who are in the school? We certainly know that adults transmit this disease, and we certainly know that unvaccinated adults are more susceptible to the Delta variant and are more likely to transmit this disease to others. So how about we focus on where the real problem is, which is with the teachers and the teachers union, except we can't do that because Jill Biden's a member of the teachers union, and Joe Biden is beholden to the teachers union, as is the whole Democratic Party. This is a joke. Um, there, is, there was never a basis, never a basis after the first few months, you know, March to, say, June of 2020. There was no basis in the 2020-2021 year to be closing schools and to be forcing distance learning. There's no reason that will happen now. That scare tactics that they're trying to use against Republicans and not focus where they really need to focus, which is get the adults in those schools vaccinated, uh, and then you will have an infinitesimal chance that there'll be any problems in our schools regarding our children. Governor Chris Christie on The Guy Benson Show. Governor Christie, take a listen to this. It is our president of the United States, Joe Biden. And I, I know I know the game, and, and I know you know it well, too. I, I believe that what we're about to listen to is the president trying to show um, 
emasculate someone who could be a, a political opponent in 2024 and make the person look small and irrelevant and, and things like that. Uh, here's how the exchange went down with President Joe Biden and a member of the media. Josh, cut 10. DeSantis, who is using your words about don't be in the way, and he's saying, I am in the way to block too much interference from the federal government. Your response, Mr. President? Governor who? Now, uh, Governor Christie, I'm concerned at several levels. Number one, Joe Biden concerns me with his mental acuity. Maybe he doesn't know who DeSantis is, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he did and that it was just an effort of emasculation and to put him down and make him look small. Governor who your thoughts about something that I think is very parochial and petty like that. He knows full well who Governor DeSantis is. And and here's the thing. I don't even think he was trying to make him look small. I don't think that was the intent. I think the intent very clearly by Joe Biden um, was was to try to not answer the underlying questions. Look, there are no good answers for the way that the Biden administration has has messed up this vaccination rollout. There's no good answers as to why um, they have not been on the forefront of explaining to people what the real benefits of vaccination are in a way that's been convincing to a majority of the American public. And there's no good way for them to answer why they are in the pockets of the teachers union by treating our schools in a way that was never, ever supported by the evidence. And so I have to tell you the truth, Harry. I think that what he was doing there was making uh, what, uh, what was a ham-handed joke about Ron DeSantis, but not to belittle DeSantis. It was to get himself out of having to answer the tough questions that that are being asked, because guess what? There are no good answers for what Joe Biden's doing, because he's doing it to try to pay off the constituencies in the Democratic Party. I'm going to buy that. I thought I was right, but I'm going to buy that. It was obfuscation. He was was, um, deflecting. And therefore, if he does this little joke and you could tell it worked, the media laughed and they don't press. Oh, no, no, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And no follow up. But they can say they asked the question. All right. I'm going to. That's what I mean by you. you, You're good at this. All right. Final question, because then I want to talk about the book at the, the last minute or so that we have. Do you agree or disagree with Governor Murphy's uh, order today that students K through 12 in our beloved Garden State that you and I reside in will it will be mandatory that these students K through 12 wear face masks. Disagree. And I disagree because there is no scientific evidence to back up the fact that children should have to wear masks in school. There just isn't. And, and what we really need to be, as I said earlier, Harry concerned about and what he should be saying to the New Jersey Education Association, the teachers union in New Jersey is, I want all of these teachers vaccinated. I want them all vaccinated before they go into school because adults are the ones who have shown that they can transmit this disease and transmit it very efficiently and lethally. So, but we don't hear that. He'd rather put the burden on the parents and the children than God forbid ever put a burden on, uh, on the teachers union. Who, If Joe Biden is in the pocket of the teachers union, Phil, Phil Murphy is the pocket of the teachers union. I mean, he, he, you know, they they tell him what to do and he does it. That's it. Um, so, you know, it is it is just disgraceful. It's a bad decision. And I will, I'm going to make a prediction here, Harry. This is going to be 
One of the things we're going to look back on is Phil Murphy is not reelected this November. It's going to be one of the moments where Jack Chitterelli is going to thank him for giving him an unforced error, much like when John Corthine, you'll remember, said in 2009 that he would reconsider selling the turnpike in the parkway um, in October of 2009, uh, a, a, a plan that was roundly panned by the public earlier in his term. He said he was going to revisit it if reelected. And I remember the celebration that was going on on our campaign bus when that story came out. I got a feeling the same kind of uh, celebration is happening today at Chitterelli Allen headquarters um, when he does something like this, because this is going to really incense parents regardless of their political persuasion. Two-minute drill with Governor Chris Christie on The Guy Benson Show, and I, want to, I, I can't wait to do an actual book review. But in the two minutes that we have, what are you hoping to accomplish? It's going to come out this fall. Chris Christie, Republican Rescue. What do you hope that you accomplish? What discussion do you hope happens because of the book? Tell us your thoughts about that. To refocus our party on the single most important thing we need to do win elections so we can stop Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the radical agenda for America. That's it. And Harry, the longer we look in the rearview mirror of 2020, the longer we listen to grievance politics and moaning and complaining about what happened in 2020, every minute that we're doing that, the Democrats are ramming through radical policies through regulation and legislation that are going to change the face of America forever. And we need to get focused on tomorrow and stop talking about yesterday. And that's what I hope the book does. And final minute, and you know I always do this, I never let you escape without asking you, uh, are you going to be a candidate for president in 2024? You know, Harry, we'll see when 2022 midterms happen and uh, we take back the House and the Senate. Um, I'll then take a hard look at what I want to do from a personal level what is possible politically, and what I think is best for the country. Um, if, if I say yes to all those three, then I'll be a candidate. And if I don't, I won't. But you know, Harry, for goodness sake, summer 21 uh, for a 2024 election. A little too early to be answering that question. You know the old Yiddish saying, Harry, men plan, God laughs. Um, so we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait a little bit and see before we make that decision. I tried. 30 seconds and literally a hard break. Since World War II... The president's party has lost an average of 26 seats in that first midterm election. It seems inconceivable to me, Governor Christie, that Republicans won't pick up at least five seats. Ten seconds. Absolutely. We, Kevin McCarthy will be the next speaker of the House of Representatives in January of 2023. And I'll make another prediction. If Chris Sununu and Doug Ducey run in New Hampshire and Arizona, Mitch McConnell will be back as majority leader. Fantastic news to hear that. Governor Chris Christie, always an honor to present you, sir. Thank you, Harry. Be well. He is Governor Chris Christie. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Partnering with Christine Wyatt, Max, and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley. Filling in for Guy. Guy will be back on Monday. What a group topic this is for Team Christine in the next few minutes, we're going to make some sort of sense, if you can make sense of bizarre world and just impossibly stupid things. The topic in this segment is the Obama bash, which, remember, was going to be all kinds of people, and now it's not, and they had it all figured out until they didn't, and now it's going to be meatless. 
So it's the meatless Obama bash. Christine, really? I would just ask not to be invited to that party because that doesn't sound like a fun people right there that are excited for that. Um, what did they say? Why can't offer any option for the meat eaters out Here, there? Here's what I believe. They will not fess up to it. But if you're woke, these are the kinds of things to be with the, the pretty people, the special people. Uh, you you have to be against meat. Meat is bad. Orange man is bad. Meat is bad. These are all in categories. It's the woke. It's woke. It's broke. It's a joke. That's my theory on why it's meatless. Why else would it be? But, but what about, I mean, every party, especially if it's catered, you need pigs in a blanket. What are they I, wrapping in the blanket now? I uh, Probably some kind of tofu or maybe oh. the fake meat that, that they say is as good as meat. And if it was, you wouldn't need fake meat because you could eat the, the really the good stuff. So it absolutely makes no sense. Uh, as everybody knows that listen to this show, we are all pretty big foodies here. But Wyatt is a pretty big foodie. I would love to know what he would do if he was invited to this kind of uh, celebration. Yeah, so, I mean, if, I don't know if I would ever be invited to this kind of celebration. But to say if I were, maybe I would sneak a Shake Shack burger in and just eat it in the corner and hopefully not be seen by anyone. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't understand this at all. Try to rationalize how this would even be. Who came up with this? Think about that. Did they consult? They were going to have 500 people. Do we know if it was going to be meatless if there were 500 guests? So in other words, to go to the Obama 60th self-indulgent, obnoxious birthday bash, you would you would concur that meat is bad. That that I would have to think out of the guest registry list, there would be meat lovers. We're down to less than a minute. Oh, Quest Love, who has a huge stake in, in the impossible foods. Yeah, see? He's the one that came up with the menu. Interesting. And you have to admit, so, probably so many people would say, oh, we got to go. It's, you know, the former president's birthday, we got to go. But this meatless thing is unbelievable. So there you have it. Yeah, I guess my best advice would uh, go to dinner before or after. Oh, it was set to be so big. It was set to be so incredible at, of course, the Martha's Vineyard property that the Obamas purchased in 2019 for $11.75 Uh, But it's good to know. We have figured it out. We have figured all the answers out on The Guy Benson Show. It's meatless for a purpose. Fantastic. Christine. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. 
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.